What do you need to know about buying a website business and making money online? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, and typically, I'm the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. However, today, I have a student, William, who comes on and he actually interviews me. He has asked me any question he wants. I didn't know what the questions were. He's never interviewed somebody before. Don't hold this against him, but he is a comedian and he's very good on camera, you'll see, and he doesn't present himself very well. So this is a fun podcast episode. We just finished recording it. What we talked about was how I got started in online business, how I removed myself from my plumbing job, replaced my income, how I started a few online businesses, what that journey was like, how I got into online businesses and teaching people, what we do in Bob a little bit, some of my most proud moments. He also asked me uh, about my mindset, how I break down problems and a lot of different things with risk versus opportunity in online business and a bunch of things for people that are interested in not just buying online business, but making money online and aligning themselves to having a more fulfilled life through earning an income online. So I believe this is a valuable episode. It's fun. This is episode number 200. So this is our 200th episode. So I thought I'd flip the script and have somebody interview me because I don't typically get to share some of the things that I have. So this is a, a very rare case and we may even do more of these. If you guys think this is valuable, please, please, please reach out to us, reply to our email, let us know in the comments if you feel this was a valuable podcast episode and I'd be happy to do more if you like it. So enjoy the episode. Jared, how are you doing? I'm great, William. I'm really good. How are you? Good, man. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to interview you for sure. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, dude. So let's just get cracking. Let's just get into it. Um, Mm. We're going to flip the script on this podcast because I will be asking Jared questions instead of the other way around. So yeah, this is, this is gonna be a blast. Okay. I was curious. I was thinking about you're helping a lot of people from your experience. You're helping a lot of people buy online businesses. So how on earth did you uh, start this online buying business journey? What was the first step for Jared? Yeah. So do you mean like, how did I start the Bob business or how did I like, what's, I mean to say, what was your first experience in the online world how did you get into the internet world oh yeah that's a, that's good that's juicy and After then maybe Google. we can you know yeah. yeah yeah so yeah um i was a plumber i think most people know that and i disliked plumbing and i wanted to continue to travel and so what i actually did and what got me on the online space is I got a camera and I started taking travel photography and started doing that. And one of my friends, I was living in Egypt at the time and I was working as a a dive master. So I was doing like three scuba dives a day, just leading people on guided dives. It's quite a cool luxury life, but wasn't really making much money. And I knew I'd have to go back home to plumbing. And he said, you should put your, you should put your, uh, you know, your photos are quite good. You should put them on a blog. And I thought, nah, there's no way I'm going to put any, any part of me online. I don't want any bar of that. (laughs) Uh, and a couple of months later I was like look I really don't want to go back home and be a plumber so I started to try and think about ways I could make money and not have to get a new job every single place that I went so I just turned to Google and literally typed into Google how to travel the world and make money online and what popped up was people that were travel blogging and I thought cool I love traveling I want to make an income online I'm just going to do that and I started a travel blog and then from there I did that for about a year and a half, a year, 
after a year, I didn't really start to make much money. And this is in twenty start of 2013 is when I started that blog. I thought, all right, cool. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from those, um, from blogging and, you know, SEO metadata and, um, you know, making the blog really good, opt-ins. Advertising revenue wasn't really there. It wasn't what it is like today. And affiliate revenue wasn't great. It was split between so many travel bloggers. Everybody became a travel blogger. Everybody with an iPhone became a travel blogger, right? So competition was heavy. And I thought, all right, cool. If I actually want to make money online, I need an e-commerce business. People that sell products, they make good money. That's what I thought. Uh, and so I started an e-commerce business, dropshipping business, and I built it. And I realized if you build it, they won't come. <laughs> and so it's contrary to what most people are taught. And the reason nobody came and I found out I can have the best looking website with the best products that do the best service and they're super valuable. People are going to love them, but nobody will buy those products if they don't know your store even exists. So I needed to learn the hard way how to do paid marketing. So I learned paid marketing from that business. I was, I was a newbie at it. So I struggled. And then that led me to th- like continue plumbing and realized, all right, I, I came across a stat that 90% of all startups fail. I thought if 90% of all startups fail, why don't I buy something that's past that failure rate? Why don't I go away and buy businesses past that 90% failure rate and, and, and see if I can do that? And I went into Google and see if I could just start, you know, type in, you know, buy an online business. And what popped up was Flipper. And that's, that's where my journey into buying Businesses started, online businesses started, yeah. Holy cow. So you got into the online world. You saw how difficult it was to start a business. Then you kind of came across this stat, 90% of new businesses fail. How can I acquire a business? You go to Flippa. That is mind-blowing because like when you tell people now you can buy a business, what do do most people, does that thought even occur to most people when when you interact with them? Yeah, well... When people ask what I do, it's it, you have to change depending on who the person is and where they're from, and, and you know you make some judgments on 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 where they're at in their life and what they might or might not know. I will ch- change my answer, but normally when I tell people we teach people to buy online businesses, normally they think, oh wow, like online, they they think of big online businesses. Mm. Um, most people don't realize, like yeah, you can buy a small online business for $20,000, you know, uh, it doesn't need to be or or 20 or $10,000, depending on what small is to you. Some people, a $20,000 site is a big site. So it just, it just depends. Um, everybody has their own different thoughts about what buying an online business looks like. You can buy businesses for 10 mil, 20 mil, a hundred mil. And so to answer that question is a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So let me ask you this. What was the first business you purchased it was on was it on flipper yeah the first business what i bought was, was on flipper yeah so it was a membership site where people could pay to access a database of wholesalers and suppliers that they could find and use when they were starting a drop shipping business so that's the first one that i bought and that was fifteen thousand. wow yeah. and what uh how did that go how was that experience yeah, it was great. I wanted a membership business because I wanted to, you know, have the past have people that have already paid an income and they're continually paying an income. So I did my financial due diligence, looked at how many subscribers they had, actively paying members, uh, and went through that. It was a great experience. I learned how to build landing pages and do some marketing for it. Uh, and then overall, I realized that I didn't do my research on how relevant the 
and up to date the contact list and suppliers were. So after a while, I realized like a few of them were no longer in business and people were paying for the membership. And then as over time, I neglected it and realized like, so, you know, people are paying for this. I just sort of shut the thing down. I was just like, look, sorry, like it's, you know, stop making sales and, and yeah, just neglected it because I went into other bigger businesses. But it was a great experience. It's a really good experience. Right on, right on. I read in your bio. So I read in your bio. I did a little of my own due diligence. And great. in your bio, quote, my sheer desire to earn a decent and regular passive income from a minimal amount of personal input paved the path to where I am today, end quote. So you hear a lot about in online about hustle, work harder, work to the max, work your bones off. What is your personal view about all that? That's a, such a good question. It's a juicy question. I think you should have a balance. When I started out, I did not have a balance. I was I was working 60 hours a week. I would wake up at 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, drive an hour and a half to work, work a 10 to 12 hour day, drive home uh, two hours with the traffic, get home and then I would get on the computer, I'd quickly eat food, I'd get on the computer for four hours to try to make these these small online businesses, these startups work. The In hindsight, it was great for me because I learned so much in a short period of time. It really gave me a good work ethic. When I started building this Bob business, it, that work ethic was great, but I took it too far to a point that I got, I just worked so much and I got quite sick and I got glandular I got glandular fever that turned into Epstein-Barr virus, which made me slow down. So I physically had to slow down. It's easy for somebody that is in a fortunate position that doesn't need to work to just tell somebody that they need to hustle when they've got other life things going on. Every person is different. A lot of people these days, I think as the world evolves, people want more and that could be more income. It could be more anything for less effort and less work. When reality is, and sometimes a lot of people that start to want to buy an online business, they go, cool, I get to skip the whole startup phase. And they just think, I'm just going to go to the grocery store and buy a business and it's going to be great. Uh, It depends on what you call hustle. Everybody's got a different opinion on it. I believe taking aligned action on a few small, a few, they're not small, but a few particular tasks is, is important, right? So some people just try to do absolutely everything, run around with it like a headless chook. And I've been there, right? I used to have multiple businesses and try to make them all work. Yeah. So I think stick one path and be consistent. Make sure you do have time to sleep and eat and good food and 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 you know the asset you are the asset we are the asset like if i'm not in a good space physically mentally emotionally then all the other things start to drop off and the asset is like me and i need to protect that and so if you overwork sometimes then you can put yourself in a place where you're eating junk food because you don't have time to cook you're not sleeping as much and you're not in the, the most stable or emotional state because you're worried about too many things. So I think there's a good balance. I think the balance is important. I used to be way more on the hustle side. Now it's now I've learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm hearing is you know you had an experience and now you've calibrated. You know with time yeah. and experience you've kind of found a, a new happy medium, and you can't find that without the experience that you went through. I agree. I agree. You can try and find it, but the hardest lessons that you learn are from your failures. 
And that was a big failure for me. And I would say for people listening is like, don't have the attitude that like, if you just do a few things here and there, you'll get results. Like you need to give it a good, you need to be fully committed. Like I have my mindset series, the three C's to achievement. Um, I think it's episode 147, 48, 49, 150. If people go through that, you have to go through those phases to actually get results. Um, and it takes and it takes some commitment. It takes some work. But if you overextend it, then everything else in your life can fall apart. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which leads us to my next question. If you had a billboard and you could put anything you want on it, Jared, either something you think, a quote from you or a quote from someone else, what would you put on that billboard? That's a big question. You, you don't have to pick one, but you know, just you see where we're going. I'd be inclined to have something for business, but... I'd probably just have something super corny that I'm a big believer in at the moment. And like the is love. I just have like something that would be love. It would just say love, love is the answer. Wow. I know that's super cliche and super corny, but I'm really into I'm I'm at, at, at that stage of my life right now, like yeah, a lot of people don't do things out of love. They do things out of a fear. Um, fear of not having enough money, fear of like all this, but I think love is the answer. So that's some corny thing that I'd be put on a billboard. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think that's corny. Anonymously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, love is powerful. And if, if you, if that's where you are right now, then that's what's on your billboard. I love it. Mm. One thing I've observed is that you are able to clarify a problem and then pick the necessary actions. Can you walk us a little bit through how you solve problems and kind of, yeah, mm. walk, walk us through how you maybe a problem that you've had and then how you've gone about solving it? It's a really good question. I think for a bit of context for people, uh, just so they know, is that uh, William, I've been working with William for a while now. William's gone through, has been a graduate of buying a business uh, and has been working with me doing some coaching and, and, and gets to see this firsthand quite regularly. The problem solving thing, how it's evolved for me is through travel and through wanting to be better at be, be a better plumber, be a better supervisor. And when you travel, all you're doing is just solving problems. Like you got to work out where you're going to go next, where you're going to stay, where you're going to eat, what activities you're going to do in each place, and then so on and so forth, where you're going to cook, where you're going to wash your clothes, how you're going to dry it, where you're going to dry them, all these different things. Now, when it comes to business, I think a lot of people... I like to go like layers deep. I think a lot of people try and look at a problem as like, this is the problem where it's really a symptom. And I like to ask, is this, is that, is that a symptom? And is there something that's underlying that's causing that as a problem? And then I like to go layers deeper and then work out, all right, cool. If that's the problem, is it a perception that you're having? So is it something that's you're perceiving is, is in a certain way that could be, for example, you're seeing things in through one lens where it sh you should be looking at it through another lens, which would be would set you up for success rather than set you up for failure. Um, so looking at your perception, looking at the lens, uh, and then knowing if you're even conscious of it or unconscious of it. So I think the answer really is first and foremost, we can't do anything unless we become conscious of it, right? Once we become conscious of something, then we can learn how to fix it and overcome it or resolve it. For example, if somebody doesn't go to the doctor and they're feeling sick, they end up passing away from cancer. The problem was that 
you know, they had cancer and they didn't know, they weren't conscious of it. But if they went to the doctor and found out, hey, I got cancer and they started treating it, then they can overcome it. So I think it's first becoming conscious of the real problem and that's asking, you know, is this a symptom or is this an underlying issue and then working that out. And then once you become conscious of it, then it start educating yourself on like, what are your options? How should you go about healing or solving this problem? What's the best one for your business, for your life? whatever it is, based on all the education you've done and then go away and take that aligned action towards towards resolving it, if that makes sense at all. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I'm tracking. I think um, if I look at how you deliver value to the Bob members, um, how you deliver value you know, via YouTube content, I think of a lot of it comes down to you have a very rigorous approach. I guess what I'm getting at is you've solved the same problem over and over, namely due diligence. So, and then you're able to help other people solve the same problem because you've laid out a very uh, helpful way to do due diligence. So I was, can you define due diligence for us and then walk us through um, why it's so important when it comes to buying a business? Yeah. So due diligence is just like, I didn't know what due diligence was when I first started. I found out what due diligence is at you know, in the beginning, uh, it's like, oh, it's basically just research, like researching an investment. Yeah. So you need to get all the information on the investment and that's just that raw data. And then you need to make an assessment on what are the risks, what are the growth opportunities? And is this something that somebody is willing to take on? And why is that so important is because you could invest in something that might not be right for you. You might not have the skills to run. It could be an investment that is subject to risk from external environments that you just don't know about because you're not conscious of it, right? It could be like buying a business with cancer. If you don't go away and give it the good checkup and the full overall, then you don't know like what its problems are. That's why it's so important is so people don't go away and buy a dud business. And we've had people on the on the podcast that have not had our help doing due diligence and bought a lemon. Not to say that our help is like the be all and end all, but they just haven't had the education on like what to look out for and what are the common traps. So that's why I believe due diligence is so important is like you just, it's best to buy a good business at a fair price and a fair business at a good price, which is a Warren Buffett <laughs> quote. Because sometimes people want to just rush in to buy a business and they see there's so much opportunity in this. And they go away and buy it, but that that opportunity is also risk. And when you have too much risk, you've got so much to do to be able to take advantage of that and turn it into an opportunity in a time period where external environments like Google or Facebook or whatever might change their algorithms, and you haven't yet got to that potential opportunity. So, how much risk do you actually take on is a is an important factor too. You have due diligence. The, there's the logic to it. There's the step by step way of evaluating a business. My question is, what do you see? Not not the logic of the due, due diligence, but what emotionally or what character trait do you see? trip up people when it comes to due diligence not not that they don't understand not a knowledge deficiency but what a, what character trait can trip yeah. people up when it comes to due diligence doing proper due diligence emotions uh and this is why i'm so big on people learning eq so emotional intelligence there's lots of books on emotional intelligence eq look them up guys um one of which is like almost most members that join the bob community they they read the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday which is a really good book uh, and and had helped me with my emotional intelligence. And 
most, like we've heard this before, most people buy things, why? Based on emotion, right? And usually it's the emotion that I want to get out of my job. Like that's a huge emotion to not, to try and neglect or um, not have so much energy behind it. And then also there's the emotion of like, like the FOMO, which is where investors get tripped up as well, is that somebody else is going to buy this if I don't get onto this right now. And they can put the blinkers on and not see so many of the things uh, that are the risks. They might see the risk, but they don't understand the full gravity of them. That's where people get tripped up is they become emotional about a deal or emotional that I've been doing this for X X amount of time and they haven't bought a business. So I just need to make any business work or I need to make it happen. That's where people trip up is where they become emotional. Oh my gosh. I I think we've all... We've all experienced that. Like that's a very human thing to happen, right? Yeah, definitely. You mentioned FOMO. Uh, where where are some areas? Real, just real quick. Like, where are some areas you see, you hear about FOMO? I don't know if as you're speaking with you know colleagues or anyone. Where where do you hear something that sounds wonderful that muse, but you know you do not you do not need to be involved. So what was that last bit again? The news that I don't need to be involved. Uh, you, you just know that it's something that, hey, that may be good or bad, but I do not need to be involved. Do you have those kinds of opportunities come about or yeah, just where are those kind of niches where you hear about, oh, this is great. You should do this, but you know that you should stay away. <laughs> is there an example? Or like, yeah. Yeah. Like 90% of the time uh, we get pictures <laughs> We get pitches from like people from all aspects of digital marketing saying, you should be doing this. Like if you want to grow your business, you need to be doing this. Otherwise, you know, you're not, you know, you're not doing it right um, or you're going to miss out, right? Your competitors are going to out. Like I like to see where, where, where somebody coming from with that. They're trying to pitch something to me and I don't have that fear of missing out because I'm not, tr- I'm not, tr- I'm not rushing. I'm not rushing to build wealth. I'm not rushing to, you know, get a result. I'm playing a long game, right? Mm-hmm. Playing long, long-term long game with long-term people. And then I'm actually loving and enjoying the process. If anybody listens to me speak and, s- and sees what I do, like actually, and people that join the Bob community, they actually know that I thoroughly enjoy making impact. So I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a rush. I'm in a pretty good spot with the emotions for people that are buying businesses. Uh, they will see a business and it will what's common is they'll see it's a niche that they maybe they're not so maybe they're passionate about it or they just understand it and like yes my partner knows about this niche and it might be in uh, I won't give a niche because they, they might be like this part this my partner knows a lot about this niche if any worst case scenario was to happen like she'd be able to write the blog post or this they they understand this so they could be, be how to help with the marketing uh i think that's a bad decision to buy a business and what? people get emotional about that or it could be that yes i finally found one that is in a niche that's great i need to i need to buy this as quickly as possible because this is my niche this is like this is the opportunity this is the opportunity that came up but you can turn anything into an opportunity and i like to tell people to not to invest based on opportunity alone because opportunity is infinite, right? Sometimes people go away and look for a business like, oh, I could do this to grow it and this will be this will be great. This is good opportunity. But they might be neglecting the risks. So I like to tell people to why not buy a business that has minimal risk and if opportunity is abundant, then you can add so much opportunity to something that's got minimal risk rather than something that 
you see so much opportunity in, but you've neglected to see what the risks are. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. It's surprising to me because it's the opposite of what you hear. Everyone talks about opportunity, but you, you focus on risk in a way. And then you'll you'll work on it. You'll make the opportunity later. But if you if you have minimal risk, then it's it's almost only upside. Correct. Everything's got upside. Everything's everything's got potential. Everything infinite potential. If you look at these plants, they could just been growing like at a stable rate for you know a year, two years. Mm-hmm. But it's got infinite potential. If I wanted to grow it, then, and there's no risk because there's no risk of it dying because it's in a good spot. It's got good sunlight and it gets, you know, water every now and then. There's no risk there, but it's got infinite opportunity. If I wanted to grow that a lot quicker, I could repot it. I could put, you know, a bunch of really um, good hormones or um, potting mix that would, and fertilizer to grow the thing and water it more regularly, put it in a higher, better growth environment with like far more sun, it would just go bananas. But it's got no risk and it's got infinite opportunity. Everything's, everything has infinite opportunity. Everything. You, me, everything. We've got to make that the quote for this podcast. Everything has infinite <laughs> opportunity. I love that. So here's something else surprising I've heard you say, and I want you to unpack it for us. It's say there's a risk in a business. How can mm. we turn that risk into an opportunity? In other words, I hear you say, hey, that's a risk, but that's not necessarily a deal, a deal killer. You see where I'm going? Like, can we unpack how do we turn risks into opportunities or how do we view risk? Let's talk about content sites and I can give you sort of two examples. Okay. Um, a lot of people sell content sites without EAT, expertise, authority, and trust. And Google has started to scrutinize sites with a bit more without that don't have much EAT. One thing is it could be a mass and it could be a site that makes majority of its revenue from affiliate revenue and has no EAT and the site has that risk that it could get hit by Google at any time because it might crawl it and see that it's trying to dish out and dish out a lot of affiliate products um, and reviews, but there's no real authority behind the site. There's a risk there, right? So some people could walk away from it. Now, it could be an opportunity, depending on how big the risk is. Now, that's something that, you know, you would need to it'd be dependent on the site. And I'd be able to ha- I help people with this when they're looking at buying sites um, to weigh up the risk. Like, would it be worth it to you? How, how long would it take you to minimize or at least reduce that risk? But the growth opportunity that's within that risk, because all risks are opportunities in disguise, of course. But how much risks do you want to take on? And how much opportunity do you want to take on before the external environment, like I said before, could make those risks really hurt the business? So how you could resolve this and turn this EAT risk into an opportunity would be to go away and get authority, like build authority. You could reach out to bloggers and have them write content on your site and you know tap into some of their authority. You could build backlinks. There's, there's ways that you can do this. I won't get into a full strategy here because this is stuff that we, we teach in the, in the membership. If it's a site that has single source dependency on one page and most of its traffic, like 15% or 20% of its traffic is going to one page, that's a huge risk. What if Google de-risks, you know, just lowers like that keyword gets hit and it goes down the rankings. What you can do is you can create supporting articles around that, put a lot of bank links to it. You could build so much traffic to that and, and boost it up. You could make sure that every six months or every three months, that piece of content is up to date and fast fast surpasses every other article out there for that keyword and your DR or your authority is higher than a lot of the other people's in the space. So it stays up there in the rankings as well. So there's 
they can be risks, but you can turn those into opportunities as well by building you know, more content around it, more links to it, supporting it so it's not so reliant on just that that pillar post. That's a, that's a great example. Um, yeah, risks are not deal killers, you know? <laughs> no, they're not. Too much risk is a deal killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a deal killer. Or, or if you're unconscious of all these risks, then you're already yes. going to be dead. It's a disaster. Yes. Yeah, and you don't know how to turn those risks into opportunity. I hear that. I hear that. Okay, this is more of a personal question. So I was curious about your day. Um, how do you mm. break up your work so that you know what to work on during the day? Is there kind of a just a guiding mantra to help you know how to do the most important things that day? Can you walk us through that just a little bit? I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna put a bit of disclaimer here for people listening is what my day look like looks like should not be what your day looks like Hmm. just like somebody else's day should not be what your day looks like because you we me you and everybody should we're all very different and we all thrive in very different environments for example some person like might love to live in a colder environment. Some people like to live in a hotter environment. We like to eat different foods. We Some people can work more. Some people can't work as much. Uh, some people like to work in at different times of the day, evening, mornings, whatever it is. So for me personally, my days are all very different. This is what I like personally. I like to have space in my day. Sometimes I'll do two coaching calls a day, maybe one interview. Usually the start of the day is I wake up I go for a surf. If the surf's no good, I'll meditate or I'll surf and then I'll meditate and then I will get into work. My most productive hours are in the morning. So I get my important tasks first done in the morning and then throughout the day as I get more tired, then I might you know, do some cooking uh, to break up the day. I might meditate again during the day or and in the evenings I don't do much at all. I'll read and you know watch surfing videos basically (laughs) yeah i love it i love that there's not one way you've got to have some self-awareness to know how like you best operate (laughs) yeah correct sometimes during the days like i'll just go play tennis you know or i'll go for a skate or if the surf's really good like i'm like all right cool the surf's gonna be better in the afternoon i'll just go for a surf then so Mm -hmm. i'm in a fortunate position that i can do that i've worked I've worked in a, I've took t- taken a line action for a long period of time that I can, I'm in a space where I can do that. Yeah, every day is very different. And that, that helps me fill my cup up because if I just work an eight hour day for five days a week, I get to the weekend and I'm just like, I'm not there for my friends. Like I'm not there for my family. I'm not there for what I need most, which is time in the water surfing. Like, mm. so business is a priority to me. Absolutely. But there's other things that come before it as well that I, where I need to fill my cup up so I can get to Monday morning and go, yes, I'm so excited. I've got so much more energy. I get to work on these projects in business and I get to help everybody in this aspect, in this dynamic, in this way. If I didn't get my time off, I'd be, you know, I wouldn't have protected the asset. I would just be a lemon myself. <laughs> you know? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. Uh, (laughs) Being zonked out, just a dry, useless lemon at the end of the week. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And I've been there. Like we've all, everybody's felt it. It's just, we just need to find out how 
one hour productive hours are and what's just as important and i've trialed this right like i've worked out like sometimes when i work less i'll earn more money because i'm in a better space physically mentally and emotionally the decisions i make are far better decisions than when i'm like overworked and i'm trying to make things happen i'm trying to will things into existence no i love that I love that. You have all this wonderful energy. You're brimming with abundance mentality. What is one thing you're very proud of that that has given a lot of value to Bob members? When it comes to the Bob community, even outside of like the Bob membership, one thing that I'm pretty proud of is like nobody before me brought out a due diligence framework. That was a game changer. And we get so many people on our email list that want the the due diligence framework. And this will be a self, uh, you know, selfish plug. Guys, check out the due diligence framework. Go to buyingonlinebusiness.com forward slash free resources and get it. <laughs> uh, but that's one thing I'm super proud of. Like even people have recorded videos around like, oh, check out, you know, Jared's due diligence framework and taught people how to use the framework in their own videos on YouTube and stuff like that. So that's been a game changer for people in the membership and even outside the membership. I'm pretty proud of that. To, and, and it saved people millions of dollars and made people millions. Millions and millions of dollars. So I'm pretty proud of pretty proud of that. Yeah, I think that qualifies as something to be proud of. Yeah, I mean personally, I've I've used it obviously a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I think why it's powerful, like personally, why I think it's why it's powerful is that if you have a, a line by line way of examining a business, then you have clarity and you can you can make progress and you don't get lost, which is like the mm-hmm. enemy of action. Is that? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think? Yeah, the it gives you it takes the guesswork out, and I've said this so many times. It takes the guesswork out of buying a business because you open it up, and you don't when you're first starting, you don't know what information you and data you need to be getting from the business to lay it all out in front of you to be able to go cool. I've got all the information, all the data to make a decision on this is a good business or a bad business. Obviously, there's some of that you need some people like advice from us in the community to help you like what's good versus bad data you just know what questions to ask you know even to a point where people literally just copy and paste questions and ask sellers like it's 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 quite funny and i'm like no like you're missing the whole point like people in the in the in the membership know what i'm talking about uh, on relationships and connection and, and stuff like that but like it's just it's just skipped so many steps and just jump people straight to like knowing whether to buy this business or not. And it's, it's a phenomenal tool. It really is. I agree. I wouldn't use it if it wasn't. <laughs> Jared, what purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last year? $100 or less. And you can't choose That's that cactus question. behind you. Yeah, the cactus is no. $100 or less. I really sprung this on you. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I could say a book, but not really. Isn't it funny? Sometimes you sometimes you think like you buy all these books and you're like, oh, they're going to be game changing. And they, you know, there's so many books you read that just not. You just kind of need to find the right book at the right time in your life for it to be like, boom, yeah. that hit home. Um, so oh, it can't, yeah. it's not a book for me, but probably a water bottle. I bought a Yeti water bottle uh, hmm. and it's, it's like a flask and you can, you know, I, I put tea in it. So it keeps me warm after I go for a surf, keeps me warm during the day while I drink hot tea. And then if it's really hot here, then I can put cold water in it. And, and it's, yeah, it's just, a, it's pretty good. I mean, that's under a hundred bucks. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably that. that. 
Okay, let me ask you this. If someone's listening and they're wondering, uh, should should they be looking online to buy a business or, or is that something they should consider? Well, how can they kind of come to a decision, yes or no, on whether they should begin the process of looking for buying an online business? If someone's on the sidelines, how can they come to a decision to either move forward or keep living life and keep going? Yeah, it's a great question. Somebody that's thinking about buying a business but still not sure, I would say get two to three options and then do your due diligence in the EAPS option and work out what would be the worst case scenario for each of those two or three options versus the best case scenario and then what would suit you best. And that's how I would make a decision. Holy cow, that's genius. <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I use that as well? <laughs> yes, you can use you can use it all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jared, yeah. thank you so much for the time. Uh, I've had a blast and... Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you on the next go round. Yeah, thanks, William. Thanks. This has been fun. I'm looking forward to doing more of this for sure. It's it's, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, man.